0: God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, as I always say praise god <clears throat> and moving into today's message, um the song that you just heard that's when one of the key things that is repeated throughout that song is what's that you have in your hand and in hearing that song, I don 't know a couple of weeks or so ago it just uh, it just kind of stuck on my stuck on my spirit and What's being said in that song is so true because God would be looking at you sometimes and you may want to ask yourself, what's that that you have in your hand? Are you holding on to it? Are you holding on to something that's in your hand so desperately that maybe you're not willing to let it go? Do you have a vision or a goal? Do you have a vision set in your life? The word of God says, without a vision my people perish. Without a vision, my people cannot see what it is that I have in store for them or have a hard time realizing what I have in store. The eagle has excellent vision day or night. The eagle can see just as well at night as night at night as he can during the day. The eagle has this way of being able to rise above the storm. We need to be able to rise above the storms that are in our lives. But however, if your vision is too low, you can't see above the storm. Ask God to change your vision You need to ask God to, 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 to let me see myself As you see me You need to see God as God You need to see yourself as God sees you If your faith is wavering Then maybe your vision of God is too small Or maybe it's too, maybe your vision of God is too small If you're wavering in your faith Maybe you don't understand How powerful God is And who God really is You may be waiting on God But consider that maybe God is waiting on you. Alright? I'll say that again. You may be waiting on God, but consider that God may be waiting on you. God could be waiting on you to surrender something. What's that you have in your hand? God could be waiting on you to surrender something. Surrendering that something could be a relationship, it could be possessions, it could be money, it could be behavior, it could be doubts. What's that that you have in your hand? What are you holding on to so desperately that you're not willing to let it go? As the song says that, if you're willing to, to lose it, then God can use it. And many things in our lives we hold to be so important that we don't stop to think about, gee who I'm really hugging on to this, I'm holding on to this, and God may be waiting for you to simply release it and to have some trust in Him. You may be holding on to something that seems so precious to you, So I say to you again, what's that that's in your hand? Let's go to the word of God. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. You know, and many times in our lives we get things or it can be objects, it can be people, it can be behaviors, it can be the way you think, it can be the way you just conduct your life. And you hold on to that so dearly and you're not realizing that this could be a hindrance for you. God may be wanting to bless you, but, for, but what you're holding on to so dearly could be blocking you from receiving that blessing. As we heard in the song, you know, the, the psalmist said, the, the singer that said, what's that you hold in your hand? If you're willing to lose it, God says, then I can use it. See, but we get so caught up, we don't we forget about, don't think about what is it that I may be hanging on to. So we go to the chapter First uh, Kings, chapter seventeen, and starting with verse number one, and it says, "And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word." Verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. So here we see, underlined, get thee hence, okay, because here we see that God is giving a direction. He's telling him to go. He's giving him direction and telling him to go. So one of the things we have to look for and think about in life is, is God giving me some sort of a direction? Is there a direction that God is giving me? Then it says in verse number 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So now God is saying, I want you to go, and if you get up and go, I am going to provide for you. I am going to feed you. I'm going to care for you, alright? So that's something else we need to think in our, in our lives. Is God giving me some sort of a direction? And God is also saying that if you take my direction, that I'm going to take care of you. Verse number 5 says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. Please lend the line, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. So here we see right away obedience. We see there's some obedience. He did what God told him to do, for he went and dwelt dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. All right? So here we see now God is working in your life. God gives you direction. The second thing you ask yourself, am I being obedient by obeying what God is telling me to do? Verse number six says And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning And bread and flesh in the evening And he drank of the brook And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up Because there had been no rain in the land Okay So that was the first step That was closed The first step or the first chapter was closed God told him to get up and go, I'm going to provide for you. He obeyed, and God did indeed provide. But now what if he was, he was not willing to let go of what was in his hand? In other words, what if he wasn't, wasn't willing to obey what God was telling him to do? What if he wasn't willing to, to, just, to, to just give up his, his current way of life? I mean, as it is, he had left this, he had dropped this bombshell on, uh, on Ahab, telling him, telling him that there shall be no dew or rain these years, but according to my word, he drop this bombshell but suppose he was deciding though I'm comfortable here there won't be any rain but I'm going to stay where I am what if he wasn't willing to let go what was in his hands so to speak so we see here God blessed him and fed him and then after a while in verse number 7 the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land so that was the first chapter closed but then God never leaves anything just closed in your life. He comes in verse number 8 and he says, And the word of the Lord came unto him again, saying, Arise and get thee to, to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So here's, here comes the beginning of the next step. Now he's saying, get up and go someplace else, all right, which belongs to Zion, and dwell there. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, again, suppose he just said, I'm not going to give up where I am. I'm just going to continue holding on to this. God says, you go where I'm telling you to go, and I will bless you, and there will be someone there to take care of you. Verse number 10 says, so he arose and went. Underline that. So he arose and went. Again, in your margin, someplace, write down that he obeyed. Okay, God gives a direction, and what did he do? He obeyed. He didn't try to hold on to his current existence, which wouldn't have been a good thing because they said that there had been no rain in the land, so therefore the brook dried up. But he said, I'll follow what God says. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, "'Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand.' And she said, "'As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel.'" And a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Please underline all that, please. I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So here this man of God, this prophet, is saying to him to give me some food, feed me, give me some cake. But he said, no, all I have... All I have, all I have, what's that in your hand? What are you wanting to hold on to? She said, that's all I have, I can't spare it because this is just for me and my son, we're going to eat it and then we're going to die. Verse 13 says, and Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, underline, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after, make for thee for thy son. Okay? So if someone had come to you like that, this man, to someone that you didn't know, and say, "Break, bake me, a, uh, give me some bread, and you say, well, all I have is this. I'm going to keep this so that me and my family can eat. And then if this man says, well, no, give it to me first, what's that in your hand? So, is there something in your life you need to be searching and asking yourself? Is there something in your life that for right now appears to be so important to you? Could it be money? Could it be a thing? Could it be a person? Could it be, 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 be a way of life, something that you do? Is there something that you feel that you have to hold on to this? Because if I don't hold on to this, then I'm just going to have it and I'm going to go in and die. Alright? Verse 14 says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel... The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Okay, so the, the man of God reassured her that, that the cruising meal shall not waste, neither shall, shall the uh, oil fail, until the day the Lord sends rain. Okay, so that's equivalent to us saying, well, 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 gee whiz, you know, I've got this piece of money that I'm going to hold on to. I finally got my bank account built up to this amount. I don't want to spend it because I need this for a rainy day, and so forth. And then God is saying, why are you putting that more important than what I am telling you to do? As long as you're hanging on to that money, as long as you're hanging on to that person, as long as you're hanging on to that thing or to that way of life, as long as you're hanging on to that, then you're not going to prosper. What's that you have in your hand? You see? So it's a matter of us thinking about, Jesus, am I so tight, do I just want to hold on to it? Because the tighter, the harder you hold on to things, the faster it slips through your fingers. The more you hold on to money, the more you wind up spending it. The more you worry about money, the more everything seems to pop up that requires you to spend more money. Okay? You hold on to a thing, to a person, to a way of life. The more you hold on to it, things go on that just seem to interrupt and damage that way of life. But God said to him that the barrel of meals shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. What's that thing in your hand? Do you realize that if you if you can just let that go... That maybe God will bless you. Maybe it'll be replaced. Maybe there'll be a blessing in there that will be much greater than what you always already have. Okay? Verse number 15 says, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Underline that and put in your margin again. She obeyed. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Underline did eat many days. You see? So again, by her being obedient to God, the oil did not fail. All she had was a little bit. Yes, so they ate for many, many days. So what's that you have in your hand? What might you be holding on to in your life that is so precious to you and you're looking for a blessing, but you're stopping yourself from being blessed because you're not letting go what you're holding on to so dearly. You see? We are not we are not we are not God, so we oftentimes we most of the time cannot see what God has in mind for us. And what God is saying here through this word is just like in the psalm, what's that you have in your hand? If you're willing to lose it, then I can use it. You see, but the, hang, the more you hang on to something, the more it just slips through your fingers, then you wind up struggling. Because, because like I said a few minutes ago, that, 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 that you may be waiting on God for a blessing, God could be waiting on you. You're waiting for God for a blessing, God may be waiting on you. And you're scratching your head and you're wondering why I'm not being blessed. Verse 16 says, and the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Please underline all of verse 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of God which he spake, which he spake by Elijah. She followed what God, the man of God, said to do. She was willing to, 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 to lose it, to, to, to unloose it. The little she had for she and her son, she was willing to give it. What are you holding on to that seems so important to you? What are you just hanging on to? Are you hanging on to an old belief system? Are you hanging on to an old way of life? Are you hanging on to the way you've always done things instead of just trusting God? You're waiting on God, but God might be waiting on you. You know, I always say that God is the most uh, um, powerful being in the universe. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, all right? But you can slap handcuffs on God as surely as you're sitting here by simply not doing what he's wanting you to do. You can slap handcuffs on God as surely as you are sitting here by not being obedient to his word and by loosing what you have in your hand, by loosing what's in your bank account. People say, oh, I've got to have a cushion, I've got to have a cushion. The more you have that cushion, guess what? The devil is there poking pinholes in that cushion. And you find out that it's just drifting away, drifting away. What's that you have in your hand? You may be waiting for God. God might be waiting for you to have a revelation here that, gee was, maybe I need to look at something and change it. It goes on to say here now, because of the fact that she was obedient, in verse number 17 it says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Please note the line, there was no breath left in him. Okay? He fell sick and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him up up out of her bosom and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord, saying, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. Underline, please, let this child's soul come unto him again. Let this child's soul come unto him again. And the, Lord, and, the, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him into his mother. And Elijah said, See, my son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and the word of the Lord is in, uh, in thy mouth is truth. This is in the line, The word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So here we see now that... Because this woman was obedient to what God said, first of all, by feeding Elijah, and Elijah wound up staying. Because of the fact that Elijah stayed, that Elijah was in the house, he was there for the time when her son fell ill and passed and died. And because of that, Elijah was there to raise her son back to life. But it all goes back to the fact that she was willing to give what little she had to God. You see? What's that you might be holding in your hand? You may be waiting on God, but maybe God is waiting on you to take a step. Amen? What are you holding on that seems to be so precious to you? We see further in the word of God, go to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000. What's that you have in your hand? Sometimes we need to go through life, our day-to-day life, and do some thinking and do some reflection and do some introspection. How am I living my day-to-day life? How am I going about worshiping God? How am I going about thinking about God? What's my day-to-day routine? Well, I do this and I do that, I do that. And we almost become robotic because these are the things we do. Maybe there's something that you need to change, you know. Changing what you do in your life and how you go about your day-to-day life can be uncomfortable for us because we as human beings, we are creatures of habit. We do things a certain way, we get up a certain way, you know. You test yourself when you get out of bed. What foot do you put on the floor first, your left or your right? Okay? Okay. Make a conscious effort to put the opposite foot on the floor instead of the one you usually do and feel how uncomfortable that feels. Something as simple as crossing your arms. Which arm you you normally put on top? Seems like a little silly, little silly thing to do. But you try putting your arms the other way, put the other arm on top and look how difficult it is. How uncomfortable it feels. We human beings are creatures of habit. So relative to the things of God, am I doing things in my life the way that I'm doing? Do I need to change them? Do I need to change how I view God? Do I need to change this whole, my, my view of this whole construct that is called religion? Because we as Christians, we don't follow religion. Amen? We as Christians don't follow religion because religion is man-made. It's man-created. All of these denominations were man-created. We follow, as Christians, we follow Jesus, Christian or follower of Christ. So how am I leading my life? What am I doing in my life? When God is telling me to do something, am I doing it even though it might feel uncomfortable? Or what's that in my hand? Am I just holding on to the way I always do things that I can't let loose? That I can't let loose. So it says here in Matthew 14, and starting with verse number uh, 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, or buy themselves food. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did eat and uh, and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Okay, so we see the miracle here. It says that he fed, he fed the, the uh, 5,000 people with just a little bit of food here. Okay, but what this particular um, version of the gospel misses is that a key point which is then only in the math in the gospel of John. Go to the book of John and we're going to read the same account of the feeding of the 5,000. Go to uh, John 6. Book of John, John number 6. John chapter 6. Okay? And reading the same account of the same events from John 6 starting at verse number 1. After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he had did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of, of, um, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus uh, then lifted up his eyes and saw a great, multi, a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, there's the problem that was stated. Where can we buy bread so that these people can eat? The problem stated. And this and this, he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Please underline all of that, please, number nine. There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? So Jesus posed the problem, how are we going to feed these people? But now here we see only in the Gospel of John, if you read the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they do not mention this lad. But we just got through saying, reading, it said that Jesus had the two loaves and the the fish and so on, the bread and the fish, and he said he fed them. But only in the Gospel of John does it point out this boy, this little lad, who had this lunch that had, that, that had five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they are so among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, but so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were, were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So Jesus, I'm sure he just didn't go and snatch the, the, the food from the little boy, but he asked him for, the, for the, the food, and the lad gave him what was in his hand. What's that you have in your hand? If you're willing to lose it, then I'm willing to use it. The young lad did not begrudgingly give up his fish, his lunch to them. He gave it to Jesus and said, here, take it. And because of the fact that the lad gave what was in his hand, 5,000 people were blessed and fed. So what's that that you have in your hand? What are you holding on that seems so precious to you and so important that you can't give it up so that the Lord can use it? Search your heart, search your mind and think about what am I holding on to so dearly? What is so important to me that I can't do what God is calling me to do? Does it it require me to get into a zone zone that is not so comfortable as it was? Do I need to look at how I do things? Do I need to look at whom I'm listening to? Whom I'm following? Who I'm taking advice from? Am, 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 Am I just holding on to the fact that I will always do life as I always do? That I will always pray only as I've always prayed? I'm so sleepy that I can't spend time in the Word. I can't spend time reading the Bible because I'm so sleepy. Is sleep so precious to me? Maybe that is something that you're holding on to. God says if you're willing to use it, lose it, then He can use it. If you're willing to give up some of that sleep and spend some time reading the Word and in prayer to Him, then God can use it. You say, well, I'm waiting on you, Lord, to bless me. I'm waiting on you, Lord, for a job. or waiting on you, Lord, for a house. or waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. i waiting on you. Well, maybe, maybe God is waiting on you. What's that you're holding on to that is so important to you? Like I said, a way of life, object, money, or whatever it is that is so important that you can't let it go. This little boy didn't say, that's my lunch that mama gave me. He didn't hold on to that. He let it go. And because he let it go, not only did he eat, but 4,999 other people ate. Amen? Because he was willing to let it go. You see? You see? We're creatures of habit. You know, you get, we get so comfortable. I get my paycheck, automatically deposited, goes into the bank, I go shopping, I pull my debit card out, I pop it in the slot, I pay for it, I take my stuff, I go home, I feed myself till my face is fat, and I do this and I do that. You know, and you're holding on to all of that. But if you were to let it go, if a man came up to your doorstep and he was hungry, would you give him something? you give him a, 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 a can of beans? Or you just want to hold on to it? Amen, amen. So he so he he gave it and he fed all the all of these people. Then we go on to say in verse number twelve, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, "Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost." Therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above of them uh, over above unto them that had eaten. You see, so not only did God bless them, but God blessed them abundantly. So what's that in your hand that you are holding on to to so dearly? Not realizing that if you just let it go, that God will give you back what you gave plus some. There's people that are starving all around us in the city of Salem. How many are willing to give to them? But you hold on to your money so tight. What if you're willing to just lose it and let it go? God will bless you. He'll replace what you gave and then some. You see? You see? When we get so caught up in our religiosity or our greed or whatever, you know, when you're thinking only about me, what are you holding on to? Sometimes you need to to, to just stop and think about what's my life all about? Who am I putting first before God? Without God, everything that you have is gone and is nothing. Without God every one that you have. Is gone and nothing. Oh I'm doing this because of my family. I'm doing this because of my love. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing, are you do, What are you doing that God wants you to do? I'm waiting on you Lord. The Lord said well I'm waiting on you. I've shown you that. That is not that important to you. I'll replace it. I've shown you that that person is not that important. I will work on them, or I will remove them in your life and bring in someone that should be there. Well, I've got this habit. I've told you that if you just break that habit, that I will, will, will replace with, place your, your, your life with joy, and you'll prosper. But Lord, but Lord, but Lord, no but. What's that you have in your hand? It goes on to say here in the last uh, verse here, Then those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Amen? So we see there that the the little boy who who willingly gave up his food wound up benefiting all of those people. We continue on here in Matthew um, 14. I'm sorry, go back to Matthew 14. 2018 made this time for a change. Made this time for a change. Made this time for seriously taking stock of what is really important in life. So many things that we deem to be important is really not important at all. Um, As I said to you before, um, in doing the the, the prep work and the research and everything, and looking at the rapture and preparing for our next Bible study series, um, it's evident that we need to live life like Jesus is coming in the next 30 seconds. My wife and I was watching a a, uh, Christian video. And uh, it was about the rapture And I think the title was What if Jesus came on Sunday Or something like that And many of the people That were in the church That were so busy singing songs And were praising and clapping And all that sort of thing When the rapture happened They were gone It was shocking to see How many people were left in the church Including one of the pastors Were still in the church They weren't ready Jesus came And they were left behind So we need to stop and ask ourselves What's that in your hand? What's that you're holding on to? Are you living life in a fashion So that if Jesus was to return in the next 10 seconds You'd be gone? Or are you so busy holding on To money To your lifestyle To whatever it is that you're not willing to let go So that God can bless you. And make no mistake about it. It's real. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You want to make sure that you're on that train when Jesus calls. It's going to happen. And it starts right here, right here today. It starts right now. That I'm praying that this word, this message is getting through to you where you will do some soul searching and think about what is it that I'm holding on to so desperately that maybe God cannot move freely and work in my life. God is waiting on you. God is saying, "No, I'm waiting on you." What's that you have in your hand? We see here in Matthew 14, verse number, starting with verse number 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain. Apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Now the other, the other gospel mentions are uh, uh, 20, 20 or 30 uh, furlongs, I believe it says, which is about three miles, OK? So the ship was out in the sea about three miles. That is unlike the way some books and some will try to say that when Jesus walked on the water, it was simply three or four inches of water and all like that. No, no, no. The other, the other gospel says that it was so many furlongs out in, out into the ocean. You do the biblical calculation, you see it's about three miles out. So that's a long way out. This was the sea. This was the ocean. It wasn't two or three inches of water that Jesus was walking on. Amen. Verse 26 again. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Underline, if it is thou. Bid me to come unto the water. So Peter says, if it is you, ask me to come unto the water. If that is really you, Jesus, ask me to come into the water. Have you said to God at some point that if this is really you or if God, if you are really really there, then God, ask me to do something or tell me to do something. First of all, how many of us are bold enough to even ask God to ask me to do something for fear of what God is going to tell you to do? Because you don't want to change. You want to hang on to what you have. You want to continue being the way you are. You want to continue being able to sleep and not read the Bible, to sleep and not go to church. You want to sleep and not pray. Yes, so you're saying to God, if that's you, ask me to come to you. And what is God saying to you? The same thing he said to Peter in verse 29. Come. Underline the word come. And he said come. Jesus' invitation to you. Come. Jesus' invitation to you to what's that in your hand? What are you holding on to so, so clearly that you're not willing to let go? And he said Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Please in the line. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Jesus told him to come and Peter took that step. What's that you have in your hand? What are you holding on to so tightly that you don't want to let it go? I'm waiting for you, Lord. No, Lord, no, Lord, the Lord says, I'm waiting for you. So are you willing to step out of that ship that you're in? Are you willing to take that step in faith and trust God to do what he wants you to do? And to stop holding on to whatever it is that you're holding on to so desperately? I like my life. I don't want to change it. I can even go to church when I feel like going to church. It'll be there. Or I can pray whenever I feel like praying. God will be there. I don't have to pray right now. I'm tired. I don't have to pray right now. i got to go to work. I don't have to pray right now. The kids are screaming. I don't have to pray right now. I have to pray right now. What's that you have in your hand? Amen. So he said to come. And Peter took that step in faith. He stepped out into the water. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Please underline all of that. In particular, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Okay? Then he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Okay? So many times we are afraid to let go what is in our hand because we are afraid of what may happen once we let it go. You see? But if you step out in faith and trust God, the wind being boisterous here is, is, is equivalent to, to, to the things in life that happen when you do step out of that boat and you trust God. Things in life don't always go smoothly. The devil will bring those storms and those winds around you to do what? To get your eyes off Jesus. Amen? Amen? What does it say there? Uh, 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 When he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink. When he saw the wind. That means he stepped out of the boat, he was walking on water. All of a sudden the winds and the clouds and things probably got very, very dark and was turbulent and everything. He stopped looking at Jesus and he looked up at the storm. He looked up at the wind. Well, that's what the devil does in your life. The minute you get bold enough, yes, I'm going to trust Jesus, and you're feeling good about yourself, and you decide to step out of the boat, and you're going to do what God is calling you to do, the devil all of a sudden puts a turmoil in your life, and you stop looking at Jesus, you look at the devil, you look at your circumstances, you look at what's happening in your life, then all of a sudden, that spirit of fear jumps in you, and then you start to quote-unquote sink. And the sinking in our lives will be not necessarily in in the hundreds of feet of water in the sea, but the sinking will be, because of the fear, it will be a fear of failure in whatever is happening in your life. That fear that will take your eyes off of Jesus will have you worried and so afraid, as Peter was so afraid about what's going to happen to me. Oh Lord, I'm sinking. All of my plans are going astray. I'm not doing this. I don't have money for this. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Because you took your eyes off Jesus. I'm waiting for you, Lord. And the Lord says, no, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to keep your eyes fixed on me. Don't be distracted by the winds that's going on around you. Don't even look to the left or to the right. You continue focusing on me. Because you got to make this change. And the change that you're not trusting in your life to make, trust me. Because if you let go of that thing you're hanging on, you let go of that thought, you let go of that way of thinking, let go of that belief system, if you let go of that, then I can use it. I can use it to, to to reshape your life. To take away that fear, remove the fear, to prosper you. Not only financially, but to prosper you in spirit. To bring you joy into your life, to remove the worries into your life. If there's chaos in your home, I'll bring peace into your home. If there's confusion in your home, I will bring 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 peace. In. I will remove the chaotic way of life. I will put you in a place where the sheep that are around you will be peaceful. I'll put you in a peaceful but calm environment. Lord, I can't find time to pray, I can't time find to read. The kids, the job, the this the that. God is in charge of those kids. God is in charge of your job. If you really, 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 really want to seek God and, and spend time with him, God will make the kids be quiet, but you've got to trust him. But maybe there's something God wants you to do to get those kids to be quiet. If you're willing to lose it. If you're willing to change what you're doing. This is how I've always done it. They've got a schedule. They've got a this, they've got Maybe God is telling you to throw that out the window and to trust Him. Maybe God is telling you to, to, to go and lay hands on those children. To pray over them. And things will fall into place. Maybe God is telling you with that job, you lay hands on something. you you, you, you anoint the application that you're about to fill out. You pray on that if you're willing to lose it, if you're willing to change the way you think. Amen? Peter suddenly had to change the way he thought. Peter was a fisherman. He knew the properties of water. He knew that God, you know, was if I step out of a boat onto water, I'm going to sink. You know, he knew the properties of water. But yet so he was trusting Jesus and he said, if you tell me to come unto you, I'll come. So Jesus said, Come. Well, Jesus may be be saying to you today, to come. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to behave. And, 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 And then today, later today after service, you start behaving the way Jesus is calling you to behave. He may be waiting on you. Amen? Amen? So then it says there that, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31 says, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Please in the line. O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Amen. This is the interesting thing is that the minute he said, Jesus, save me, Jesus responded. You've got something in your life that you're worried about, and maybe you need to stop and for a moment and just pray out loud, say, Lord, Lord, save me. Save me. And God will stretch forth his hand. But guess what the what the criteria is, what the requirement is. When you say, Lord, save me, and God says, Yes, I will, and stretch forth his hand, you've got to have that faith. Because Jesus said, Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? You see? The whole thing was that, I mean, he was walking miraculously, walking in Jesus, and all of a sudden the devil took his mind off it, and then the doubt came in, and then he sank. And that's where many of us are today. We've seen God operating in our lives. We've seen the blessings when we've cried out to God. God has blessed us for things. We cry out to God now, and God says, come. Simple as that, come. And that's an invitation from God. To make a change, to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Step out of the boat, but step out in faith. If you go doing what God is calling you to do, and if you're doing it without faith, and I'm saying, I'll tell you right now, you better stay in the boat. Just stay in the boat. Stay where you are. Continue struggling. You step out of the boat without faith, the least little time the devil throws up a monkey wrench into your your life, you're going to wind up sinking again. You're going to go right down. Instead of saying, oh well, oh well, gee whiz, I tried it, but I knew it wouldn't work. I can't walk on water. It doesn't make sense. I am a solid being. I cannot walk on water. It doesn't make sense. So guess what? Whatever it is in your life that you might be praying for, that you're expecting and whatnot, maybe by man's standards it does not make sense for it to happen or for it to come to reality in your life. But with God, all things are possible. But the criteria is that you have some faith in stepping out. You want a change in your life, you've got to have some faith. O, o thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were, were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. But they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out unto all the country round about, and brought and brought unto him all that were diseased, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as were touched were made perfectly whole. So what is that in your hand? What is it that you're holding on to? I don't want to change the way I go about life. I don't want to change the way I believe. I don't want to change the faith the, the, or my level of faith. I've got, enough, level, I've got enough, enough faith in God. I have a high level of faith in God. So when it comes down to giving to someone, you don't do it because you think it's going to be going into your pocketbook. When it comes down to praying, you don't do it because you need some more sleep when it comes down to reading the, reading the word of God taking and putting aside 15, 20 was a half hour, an hour on a daily basis to read the word of God so God can speak to you through his word I'm waiting on you Lord the Lord's may be saying well I'm talking to you but you're not hearing me because you're not praying enough and you're not talking to me you're not hearing me because you're not even reading my word I'm talking to you through my word yes the no, Lord I'm waiting on you no, no, no maybe God is waiting on you Amen? Amen? Maybe God is even holding off sending Jesus for the rapture because he wants to give you 30 more seconds to get your act together. You don't know. Tomorrow's not promised to you. I'm waiting on you, Lord. No, I'm waiting on you. But in the meantime, what's that in your hand? If you sat down with a piece of paper just by yourself and you wrote down in priority order what things are important to you, what's the number one most important thing in your life? And write that list down. You look at that number one thing, and then you ask yourself, am I willing to lose it? Okay? You finally got to the point where you've got X number of dollars in the bank. Can you say to God, I'm willing to lose it? You put down something dealing with a person in your life, a situation in your life, that it took you years to accomplish. Are you willing to lose it? What's that that you're holding on to so dearly, so closely? If you're holding on to something, and God may be telling you that it's time for you to look for him, To search him in a way, search for him in a way that you haven't done before. If there's something going in your life that you really are desperately praying for and hoping for, then you need to ask God, is there something that I'm holding on to that is more important than you? Amen? If there's something that you're holding on to is more important than you, that means that you're struggling with letting it go. There can be nothing that is before God, nothing. And that even goes down to your family. God is always first. God is always first. What's that you have in your hand? If you're willing to lose it, then God can surely use it. Amen? Think about it. Pray about it. Reflect on it. I pray that this message was a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.